0: this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a beautiful day outside. It's another great gift that God has given us, another opportunity to lift up the name of the Lord. He calls us into his presence each week and hopefully if our hearts are where they should be, we still wonder why he has called us. And you know, I'm thankful I was reflecting on our church recently and there's a lot of people that have been around here for a long time um it's a wonderful thing you know you you blink and 15 years passes you know or for some 20 years you know and even though we're a small church and a pretty intimate crew one of the things i think that gives us strength and beauty is that the same people are around us every week and i pray that that is what it is like 20 years from now, that the people that have already been here 15 or 20 years will have been here another 15 or 20 years. Amen? You know, that's where great oak trees come from. They come from year after year after year, week after week of sunshine, of rain, and, and it's those small things that seem insignificant, those small things of growth that eventually becomes these towering beautiful trees of righteousness. Isn't that what we want to be here at Foundation Church? Amen. Yes. Amen. Today we're actually going to talk about abiding in the Lord as in staying around. And, uh, you know, the, the measure of a marriage isn't, you know, we had one time some people were bragging they were married for 50 years and, and being married 50 years is great, um, but time is not always the measure of it, right? Some people could be married and miserable. For 15 for 50 years, you know, uh, and so what we want to do is we want to abide in grace and righteousness and growth. And hopefully the people that you were are not the people that you are. And I'm very happy to say that I've watched God do beautiful things in the lives of so many that you're so different from what you were when you came to Christ. Uh, that encourages me to see that what God is doing is progressive. Amen. Amen. And uh, our call to worship today is from Psalm 46. David said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled and though the mountains shake like the swelling thereof, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. Everybody say, she's not going to be moved. moved. We want to dwell in the Lord, right? And and, and in His tabernacle. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raised and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, he cut the spear in sunder, he burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, let that be our prayer. I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the rivers, I shall not be moved. Lord, we come into your presence because we have, as the, the psalmist has prayed, Lord, one thing have we desired and that what we seek after, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord to behold your beauty, O oh Lord. Oh Lord, for you will take us up when everything around us fails and falters, when we are rejected of our family, when the world scoffs and scorns. We find refuge in You. And today we come. We come to You for refuge. Calling upon You, Lord, to hear Your voice, knowing that You will answer. Coming to You, hungering and thirsting, knowing that You will fill us. We pray today that just like the plants outside and the flowers and the, 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 the corn in the field, that You, through the sunshine of Your love, Will add to us today that you will strengthen us, that you will guide us, and you will draw us further up and further in. In Christ's name, we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. How many of you are enjoying? The book of Psalms. I can tell you what, as a pastor I've taught through a lot of things and I can't believe I'm only in chapter 15 and I really think that we're going to cover so many topics of the Bible that I would never have expected to cover that uh, this is just going to be a great joy. I think our church is going to be greatly enriched by this study. I know I am. So Psalm 15 is a short psalm it's only uh, five verses long. Uh, But it is so packed full of stuff. I was telling the guys up here I could talk about psalm 15 for weeks, but I'm not going to so um, I'll try to get the essence of the psalm so that you understand the psalm itself and then there are some particular things I'd like to jump into that I think will be a blessing to our congregation. So here the word of the Lord psalm 15 um, Starting in verse 1 a psalm of david Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contempt, but... He honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doth these things shall never be moved. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be those who are not moved. We want to be those who stay, who abide who are not shaken by what is happening around us in the world, who are not shaken even by the troubles that come to us from our own heart or even in our own church. Lord, we want to be those who stay and abide and cannot be moved. Lord, help us hear your word today. Help us to stay strong and be those saints, Lord God, that stand and stay. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of my message today is called Saints, Stand, and Stay. And yes, those are all three words that start with the same letter. I will take that from the influence of my good Baptist brothers who I've been hanging out with lately. Uh, Three points all starting with the same letter. Uh, It is something they always do when I'm with them, and it it can catch on. So your brain will start thinking along those lines. So, Psalm 15, starting in verse 1. Now, you might be asking yourself today, who is going to be next? Have you guys... You guys hear about things in the news in the church that are kind of disturbing? You guys hear about people who you love or people that you believed in or people that you thought or could be those people that are going to be around forever and the next thing you know, they're gone? Isn't that kind of painful? What man of God or man that we think of a, is a, of a man of God is, is gonna fall away next, or fall into apostasy. Now, it's not normally my way to kinda, you know, preach alongside of the news, but as it so happens, Psalm 15 is covering the subject at the same time that there is a news story, right? You guys heard the news story. Now, um, the news story is not really not going to be the focus of what we're gonna talk about today, um, but more, what questions sort of sometimes come in our mind because of it okay so you guys heard about what happened with josh harris he was the pastor of a church and a famous person i guess he wrote a book called um i kiss dating goodbye anybody ever seen that it's got the hat you know and he's you know apparently he sold so many of these that it made him very wealthy and um it was sad to hear. Now, honestly, for me, it really wasn't so sad. It, it's sad, but I, I didn't really know much about the person anyway. Um, but he announced last week or you know, some, somewhere around that time that he was leaving his wife. He denounced his book that he wrote. And now he says he's not an, a Christian. And then he apologized to the homosexual community for things he said that really are just in line with God's word now when you read something like that sometimes people just go Oh, why is this happening and I think we can remember others who may have even affected us more than that right you hear about them and you think these are wonderful people you have their books or you have their videos or you subscribe to their letter and you know they just walk away in the sin or you find out they really never were what you thought they were what does this do to you inside it's it's not really very settling right you know now it's good in that when this happens there are people that then turn away from things that appeared to have been convictions in their lives well if a man falls away and you drop your convictions that that man had you probably didn't have those convictions to begin with they probably were convictions or you were kind of following the crowd even if it's a good crowd you know we need to have convictions that are not based on other people amen I mean, if you leave this church and go away and live some other way that is ungodly, it isn't going to be, you know, because, you know, Pastor Mark was mean and nasty to you that you walked away from God. You might walk away from God, uh, but it's going to be because of what's happening inside of you. Now, it is sad and shameful, but as we all know that Josh Harris or, you know, I can't even say... I can't, it's hard for me to even say Doug Phillips because I cared about so many of the things he did, but it was painful, folks. But he's not the first, and he won't be the last. There'll be plenty that will this will happen to over and over. This has been happening at, all the way back to the time of the apostles. You guys remember Alexander the coppersmith? You know he wasn't anybody you know, but I can guarantee you that Paul knew who he was, and he crushed Paul. The apostle, God's man, he's like, this guy did me much harm, he hurt me, and he left, and he went out, and now he's causing problems. It's a painful, painful thing. But now, when we leave churches and run headlong into sin or turn from God, it can be, when people do, it can be difficult and heartbreaking, especially if you really like them a lot. Or maybe they weren't a famous person at all, maybe they were just your friend. You know, we've had some things recently in our greater body where some people that we thought were great, people that we love, next thing you know, we find out they're in horrible sin. Folks, this should not shake you to your core. This psalm talks about people abiding and staying and not being moved. We can't be moved by what they do. You can't be moved by what I do. Now, sometimes I think, and I think, Brother Andy, the Lord... Use this just to help because I know it helps sometimes. And God will say, Mark, if you do that, what's going to happen to your church? What's going to happen to the people there? What if they thought you were going to do something like that? And do you know that's been quite helpful to me? Don't do that. Don't think that. Don't go near that. I think about my wife. I think about my children. I think about the church. And yes, it would hurt you. But the shameful thing is, is that a lot of people's uh, staying power in God is somebody else. And folks, no matter what happens to anybody, and this isn't a this isn't preparing you for me, you know, uh, disintegrating into powder. I believe by the grace of God that I'm going to be a hundred years old, and if you guys let me, I'll be up here in the pulpit trying to preach at least once in a while. You know, the Bible says, "He that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall." And some of the ways that we fall, the Bible says, if we lean on the arm of flesh. We're going to be disappointed. Don't lean. Don't put your trust in and your hope in. I mean, think about it. And maybe you don't want to think about it, but imagine if there were certain people in your life that if they turned away from God, you might just turn too. You might just quit. You might just give up. I I lived a life where I saw this happen to other people. I was talking to a young man who took me to the airport and and I had said something to him about being careful about walking away from the church and the things of God. And I'd said that uh, the day before. And he's like, you know, that really was disturbing. Like you said, like, like that's even possible that I could even do that. Well, after I told him a few stories about my life, I think after that he, he wasn't so disturbed. I'm like, brother, I grew up in a home where we went to church three, four times a week. Where we were discipling people, winning people to Christ. And you know what happened? I watched my family go away from God and get into things I would never even dream they would get into. I watched mental illness, drug addiction, uh, prostitution, all kinds of horrible things enter into my family. And so this kid, I said, you're 22 years old. I said, my family was more dedicated to their church than you have ever been, brother. And he's just like, his eyes are big. I'm like, I'm just saying, you, gotta, you can't get bitter. You can't get upset. You can't let people get under your skin and then walk away from the things of God. Nobody stands between you and God. There is one mediator between us and God. And it's no man that you know his name other than the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here in Psalm 15, David sings this question and prayer to God as his heart wonders the same thing. If you... If, if, if you didn't really look into the depth of what's going on you'll miss this it sounds like kinda like uh, you know who were God's people yeah yeah you know kind of a thing you know I'm God's people right but but this is not what he's saying he's literally asking the question who's going to abide I mean don't you sometimes wonder when it's all said and done who will still be around who's gonna stay I don't know that. Sometimes someone comes to the Lord. I don't know if they're going to be around five years from now or 20 years from now, but David's asking this question and David gets the answer to the question. So, Psalm 15, we're also going to take a look at real righteous living. Everybody say real righteous living. living. Now, I have tried to imitate Jesus in this I rail against hypocrisy and self-righteousness a lot, because Jesus did that a lot. You, if you read, he's walking around and he's not beating up on the people, you know, hanging out in the bars and, and doing bad things and living ungodly lives. Who does He? Who's he railing against? He's railing against the people who are supposed to be religious, who pretend to be religious, who love their religiosity, but really are fake. That's who Jesus spends more time blasting than anybody. But Jesus also showed us by his life an example the beauty of living a righteous life. So today we're going to talk about what a real righteous life looks like because there is certainly true righteousness. Because there are hypocrites doesn't mean... So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look like we're not righteous. We're going to we're gonna and and sometimes this gets into Christianity there's this edginess that says like like I can kinda be like the world and 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 there's an edginess you know I'm not a hypocrite I'm not I'm not super holy I'm not super righteousness but you know what that's not really where we're shooting for anyway folks if what we really want is Christ living in us dwelling with people in real righteousness okay and sometimes in our immaturity we go against our own hypocrisy by becoming the other kind of hypocrites I'm such a Christian, I can listen to anything, watch anything, do anything, and it's never going to affect me. I'm not like the super holy crowd who can't do that. That's not right. We want righteousness not because we can earn our salvation, not because we can earn acceptance with God. We want righteousness because heaven will be in our home, Brother Steve. And in heaven, how are we going to live, Luke? We're going to live righteous. We're going to be we're going to be walking this way. Why don't we start now? That's what I say, Derek. I say to people, why don't we start living right now? Like we're going to live in heaven. How many want to do that? I do. I'm not walking like that so I get there or so that when I show up God's going to go, "Look at you. I'm so glad you're here. It's going to make this place so much better that you're here because you've been so good." That's not going to happen either. Okay? We want to be holy because He's holy. Living a truly clean life of honesty and integrity with God and man is a blessed life to live. And it is a way to begin living like we're going to live in eternity. Alright, so we'll start in the beginning of Psalm 1, a psalm of David. Yet again, another one of these psalms. Lord, now remember, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you read that in the Bible, what are you reading? You're reading an address to Jehovah God. It is an address to Jehovah God. You can say Lord with a small l, and it could be the Lord of a manor or the Lord of a, a governor of a, a, a whatever a, a large place. But Lord, L O R D, all capital letters, Jehovah. So he's asking the God of heaven, Who shall abide in Thy tabernacle? Remember, there there was no uh, there was no building built yet. Dave, during David's life right? It was when David was an old man and his son began to build the temple, right? So who's dwelling in thy tabernacle? He uses the word tabernacle here. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And when the tabernacle was built, it was built uh, in a high place on a hill, but at this time this was the tabernacle. This was before that. So the, the holy hill is figurative here. The song opens with one question accentuated by the fact that that it's being asked in two parts. Now you might remember this a few weeks ago. Do you guys remember we talked in the message questioning God, that it's good to do what? Ask God, to ask God questions. Maybe why, maybe, and in this it is who. So you'll see as we go through the Psalms, there are who questions, there are why questions, there are how long questions, right? Who, what, when, where, why, how. Those are questions, right? And so we're reminded, how many of you have started asking God questions? Any of you? I've been asking God. There are some of you that I've been asking questions for. I've been asking about the brownfields. How long, Lord? How long will they get these little ones? Will they get to stay? I want to know. I want to know when we're baptizing those little ones. I want to know when we're adopting them and they're part of our church. That's what I want to know. How long, Lord? Are we going to get to keep them or not? You might say that's that's not a good question. I'm asking it anyway. We'll find out. We'll find out if God answers me. So far I haven't got an answer. So the question David asked may not be obvious at first reading, but the question can be rephrased like this Who will stay faithful to God? Who will not walk out and away from God? He asked the question by asking who's going to abide. Everybody say abide. Abide means to live, to colonize, to sojourn, to stay. It has the meaning of planting roots and staying around. That's what we want. That's what people, I'm telling you, that's what we want. We want people, we're not worried about he that shines for a day, right? The Bible said he that shines for a day, but it's that he that endures till the end. The godly life is not lived all at once in a big event or, or in some flash of light of greatness. It's something that happens day after day after day after Sunday after year after year. And before you know it, you look around and people that you've won to the Lord have six children. And they're raising their kids. I'm telling you. I love to be in the house of God where I have been able to watch people grow up from the time they were young and become men and women of God to become deacons, to become those that are preaching in the pulpit and those that are leading, it's a beautiful thing. Perhaps David had seen someone he thought he knew well walk away from the things of God. He's asking "What, what godly people, what are the people that are going to stay? People that build their life walking with God. What?" what are they like he's he's asking God like who are these people what are they like there is another word for this same concept another word it's not the word actually used here but it it's used quite a lot you you're familiar with this it's called yashab and it is used in psalm 23 surely goodness and mercy will follow me right verse 6 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me and i will Dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? (laughs) I like that. I'm going to dwell there forever. He's talking about this isn't something I'm doing now. This isn't a phase I'm in. This is not a, you know, uh," Kevin Swanson says, you know, all these families come to our church, and as long as they have little kids, they come while they're homeschooling, but then their kids get older, and they're not homeschooling their kids anymore, and they leave because they were here during their homeschooling years, and now they're gone. I'm like, wow, that would be pretty depressing. You know? He says, oh, we, we were their support group. We were there so their kids would have someone to play with and talk to it. And I talked about homeschooling, and it encouraged them. But now they're not really homeschooling anymore, so now they found another place to go. Psalm 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. You see this cry of David's heart? He is thinking long-term, okay? He's thinking, this is I'm about this for the rest of my life. Now, the second part of this one question makes it more clear. David is certainly asking about... Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? God's holy hill is also another of the constant themes of the Bible. Many say that even the Garden of Eden was on a mountain. I hadn't really thought about this a lot until I was reading about the Holy Hill and how many times the Bible talks about this. But the the Garden of God, if you remember, had a river in it and the river flowed out into several rivers. Now, how can you get it? Which which directions do rivers flow? Do they flow uphill or downhill? They flow downhill. And so even from the idea and the concept of the rivers that flowed and flowed out to everywhere, you get the idea that the river was flowing from a mountain and you get this picture we know that God gave His law on Mount Sinai, that Jerusalem itself was on two mountains. God showed Himself to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And of course, uh, God's people are called what? A city set on a, on a hill. It's a concept that, that's all there. This is even before the tabernacle or was built into a temple on a hill. He's talking about the holy hill because the holy hill really is the kingdom of god david said he wanted to dwell there forever but does everyone no they don't we will see them come and sadly we will see them go and this can be very discouraging but if we look at what brother andy read for us from matthew chapter 13 jesus was preparing this for this and john later writes about something too that makes this clear so let's take a look at it he read it i'm just going to read a few verses Remember the parable he put forth, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seeds in his field, but while he slept, the enemy came and sowed tares. Tares are weeds. You were reading the ESV, right? And it calls them weeds. These weeds grow up. Now they're not fruit producing. Weeds don't. you, You can't make bread from weeds, but you can make them from wheat. And so the people of God, of course, represented by the wheat that will be gathered that will be used for good this one the wheat that will become this one loaf that is the church but there will be so the blade sprung up brought forth fruit it appeared also the tares and the servants of the householder came and said did you not sow good seed he said oh yeah where do these tares come from he said an enemy came and did this should we go gather them up and i really think that this can happen in a church people can try to identify and try to decide which are wheat and tares But the Bible says that they're going to grow up together. There will be people in our church, there may be people right here, who aren't going to be here. They're not going to be anywhere. They're going to be weeds. I I don't think there are, and I can't imagine that any of them would be. But there might be. I know that in the church that I grew up in, there were lots of them. And uh, I know that we see them in the church world today. He says in verse 30, Let them grow together until the harvest the Bible says the dividing of the wheat and the tares that's not really up to us to do that this will be done at the time of harvest which will be at the end gather ye together first the tares bind them in bundles burn them but then gather the wheat into my barn and we learn later uh, that this is that God is going to be doing the gathering so it's plain from this parable that we should certainly expect what we're seeing around us and not be too discouraged by it we are not also to try to discern this for ourselves and tear out the tares. It's not our job, that's God's. We must deal with those among us who live in sin by imploring them to repent. And we must also sometimes discipline them and even separate them for a time in an effort to bring them to repentance. You see, discipline for the faithful, the truly touched by God, those made new, doesn't drive them from the people of God, it actually draws them in. Right? Shows care. John the Beloved said this though in John, uh, 1 John 2.19 Every time I see some people and, and they they leave and, and, and it seems that they've fallen away from God and I'm discouraged I remember 1 John 2.19 This is also a very powerful scripture for people who believe in God's electing power. First John 2.19 They went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us then they no doubt would have stayed with us but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were never part of us at all first John 2 19 so now the question has gone forth and what's neat though about this psalm is the question goes forth and we get an answer remember in the how long psalm he's asking we had to go to Habakkuk to get the answer because God answers Habakkuk's question about in how long in Habakkuk chapter 1 but here in Psalm 15 we get the question O Lord who shall abide in the tabernacle of the Lord who shall dwell in his holy hill and we get the answer together so one thing I'd like to say to you is this in the answer we will see a picture of how God would have us live lives of righteousness And those who are Christ, they will look like this. That's what we're going to be seeing here. But as you hear these things, brother and sister, don't despair. You may see yourself going, wait a minute, I don't think I'm going to stick around because this sounds like me. The Bible tells us that you can be God's people, but act like you're not. And so what is that? What What should that make you do? How many of you want to act like God's people ought to be acting? I do. And so when you hear this, don't just go, all right, that's it. I must not belong here. Time for me to leave. That's that's really not what we're going for here. What you should go is, now wait a minute. If these are the way the ungodly act, I don't want to act like that. Okay? And we should ask God to change our hearts and give us true righteousness, the kind of righteousness Paul talked about in Philippians 3 that we've been talking about here a lot. So as we move to the answer in verse 2, hear the word of the Lord on what this lovely life can look like and what it does not look like. He contrasts with what we should and what we shouldn't. What he does, it says, verse two: He that walketh uprightly. Everybody say, walks uprightly. He works righteousness, and he speaks the truth. So this is kind of a three point. I, you know, I don't know. He, he walks and he works, and his words. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm seeing these three letters all the time. He walks. He works in his words, you know, so what he does, how he walks, how he works, and how he speaks. So the righteous man is righteous all the way around, completely. What he does, goodness comes out of his life in the form of good works. We're not simply those who know what is good or believe what is good. What do we do? We do what is good. Good works are what we should be doing. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that God has made us his workmanship so that we can do the good works which he has ordained that we should do right jesus said our works will do what glorify our father which is in heaven the righteous man lives and works and speaks one message inside out he's thinking he's feeling he's walking he's doing and he's talking about the things of god his life lines up with his words and his work people who like to talk about righteousness who like to study about it, who like to be an expert on it, but aren't exactly bearing the fruits of it, aren't really the ones you're wanting to emulate. Righteousness permeates every area of this man's life. He does not merely talk about the things. He does not merely pray lofty prayers or speak swelling words seeming to give glory to God. From his heart and out into his hands and out of his mouth pours forth the sweet water of God's goodness and truth. He is not a fountain Like James warns us of, of salt, water, and sweet, a conflictedness, he is a beautiful fountain, not one of blessings and cursings, but blessings only. No, David does not merely say that this man speaks from his heart. He says something that is, it's not just, you know, they didn't just pick any old word. He speaks in his heart. You know, you can say something passionately from your heart, but what this is talking about? It's when when no one is uh, around, when he's talking to himself, Tim, he's thinking, "I want to do right, Lord. I want to be good, Lord." You know, all right. You know, he he doesn't even talk in his own heart where no one can hear. He speaks inside his heart about what it is that he wants to do. Kids, who can change a sinner's heart? The Holy Spirit alone so so that's that's what we need we need god's word it's only when god gives us a new heart that we can speak from the depth of the holy spirit and truth in our inward parts now next we move on to what he doesn't do the righteousness is not only shown by what he does but what he does not do that's clear also in the in the commandments right we have commandments about thou shalt love the lord thy god thou shalt love thy Neighbor as thyself, right? You shall love the Lord your God, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain, but thou shalt remember the Sabbath. We shall honor our father and mother. We shall not steal. You see these things? The righteous man does things, and there are things he doesn't do. Here David sums up the life of the righteous saying that he loves his neighbor as himself. In verse 3, David talks about what the righteous, though, doesn't do. Okay, verse 3. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In this verse, he's talking about one thing in general, but he divides it up in three parts. This This would make a great three part sermon right here, just this verse. He backbites not with his tongue, he does not evil to his neighbor. And he does not take up reproach against his neighbor. I could preach about that for an hour, okay? So what in the world is a backbiter anyway? I was looking this up, and um, I guarantee the ESV, Brother Eddie, does not use the word backbiter because it's just, it's kind of an antiquated English term, a backbiter. In fact, I, I looked it up. I read all these commentaries trying to figure out. So the best way to do it sometimes is just go to the Hebrew. And the Hebrew has a picture of a tongue with a foot on it. A tongue with a foot on it. What could that be? Someone that runs around talking. Right? Right? He's someone that goes around and he says, Do you know what Tim Hatfield really, really thinks about you? Think of a a tongue with a foot on it. Don't you think that music at our church is really loud? They walk around. It says they're they're, they're a tongue with a foot. They go around and they talk about people. We use the word today, gossip. And, you know, I've I've wondered exactly even what that means. And I kind of read about it because, you know, there are times that you talk about people and you need to talk about people. But there's but a lot of times it doesn't even feel good to talk about people. It's kind of a thing. Anybody feel conflicted about this? I do sometimes. Like, you want to, you care about them and you're worried about them. But sometimes you wonder if you're, rolling over into the to this sinful category, I think we probably do a lot more than we think we do. The Bible uses the word whisperer. And you might know, you know, you, you guys know that, that comedian, you say you might be a redneck if, you know? Well, you might be a gossiper if whatever you say, you have to look around first. You might be a gossip if you have to lean closer. And you say it. Right you guys ever you know what I'm talking about? The Bible uses the word whisper and it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 27 and, and and when they read this in the Psalms, they see this. I don't understand how Hebrew works, but when they use this word, they are called back to Deuteronomy where the people of God were delivered out of Israel. And here they were or uh, out of Egypt and they're going into the land of promise. They're on their way, they're out in the desert and they're in their tents. Or no one can hear them, and they start talking about, I don't really know if there's going to be enough food. I think we're going to run out of water. You know what, I don't even like manna. I mean, I've eaten it so many times that I just, I don't think I can eat it again. So this word somehow comes from this whispering. And you'll read about this in the Proverbs, so-and-so is a whisperer. Well, there's something really not good about this, and so we need to examine our hearts. Are we gossips? Are we whispers? Are we these people that go around with you know, our tongue attached to our foot, running around and talking about other people? The godly man or woman is not known to walk around talking bad about people. A gossip is someone who takes pleasure in talking about others in a way that lowers them or brings them down in the eyes of others. A gossip or a backbiter tells things true. Sometimes they're true. I mean, there are things about me. If you knew, someone could just go around saying them. You know, my my shoes aren't expensive, but if you found out that I bought $200 shoes and, you know, our pastor is wearing $200 shoes. They might have cost somebody that. I think they, they cost me like five. I don't know. But... But you could go around saying something's true, but the idea of talking the truth the way that you do it and with the heart that you do, what's your intent here? Your intent is to go, look at him, he's frivolous or he's wasteful or, or he thinks he's better or he's silly. Whatever it is, you're, you're ta- whatever you're talking, you're going around doing, is it to encourage or build up or to make someone look better? That's a good thing to ask yourself. Why am I going and why am I saying the things that I'm saying? A gossip tells things about other people behind their back when they're not around. Someone told me, they said, gossip is the kind of thing you wouldn't say if you were standing in front of someone to them. And encouragement is the kind of thing you would say whether they were there or not. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, right? So taking someone's good name away from them by your words is stealing their good name. You know, it's easy to do. Anybody could run me down. Anybody could run you down. But God calls us to not do that. We're all sinners. I mean, if, if you watched me, I'm sure you you know, you know I watch Pastor Mark the way he drives. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I think I saw him going over the speed limit. I bet you did. It's the way we do it. It's why we're doing it. It's it's the heart. You see, the righteous in his heart, he doesn't want people to think bad of Paul Chapman. He wants them to love Paul Chapman. He wants them to be. You know, I love it when people go, "Man, I love Paul." And Paul, did you did you ever get to visit my my truck this, this weekend? No. Okay. All right. Well, man, I was hoping to brag on you now but but but. Nothing other people. You, <laughs> I was helping everybody else. I mean, I love it when people go, and, and Paul, I'll just tell you, this is, people come up to me and they say, man, that Paul Chapman, he's like the greatest. And I know you don't want to hear it, you know, that's fine, you can wag your head, but it's true. How many of you talk good about Paul Chapman? Raise your hand, come on. Come on, Paul, look around, man. I'm, Okay, that's right, right? It's good. It's good to be encouraging, to build him up. He's our brother. We love him. And the good things that he does are, are a blessing. But there are people that they also want to tell you the truth about people, right? I, I mean, have you ever done anything bad, Paul? Wow, you know? But there's something in the heart of the righteous that wants to see Paul elevated and loved and appreciated and encouraged, okay? But there's something about the other people that go, you know what, he's gotten too they said nice things about him in church last week, but do you really know? No. That's not, that doesn't come from the heart of righteousness, folks. Even if, even if mostly you're a stinker, we should be talking good about you the best we can and trying to pray that God will cover your sins. So how do you want to behave, kids? Adults? Do you want to uh, behave like those who abide in the house of God or do you want to be like those who are going to fall away? I want to, I want to be like someone who's going to stay around. I want to be a person who uses my mouth to lift up others in the sight of others, not falsely. There's plenty of good things to say about pretty much everybody that's here. Proverbs 26.20 says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So where there is no gossip, no talebearer, the strife will cease. You know, you can remove gossip from our church by you stopping it. Or you not listening to it. That's a better way, amen? Now. Wow. I'm going to go real quick. I think we should camp out here for a minute. Is that all right? OK, I, I, I have a whole bunch of stuff here and maybe we'll have to make this a two parter song, but I'm just going to keep going. All right. So I'm just going to go real quick. The Bible talks about this talking stuff a lot. OK these six things that the Lord hated says in the book of proverbs right he hates all of them but the seventh is an abomination the seventh is abomination is the lying tongue a false witness that speaks lies he that sows discord among the brethren this is this gossip he he talks he he wants to say oh do you know what so-and-so thinks about you or did you know how they treated me or or do you know what they really are or whatever that that right there that person causes more damage in a church than anybody and God hates it. Everybody say, God hates it. it. And that's Proverbs chapter 6. The Bible says a prating or foolish lip shall fall. How many people want to fall? I don't want to fall. The mouth of the foolish is near destruction. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander, this gossip, this talking about other people. He is a fool. In the multitude of his words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refrains his lips is wise. You know when the Bible says we should be slow to speak, maybe if you're having trouble with gossip, maybe you just should stop talking. I don't really know how to talk good about people. I don't know how to talk without gossiping. Well then just don't talk. He that refrains his lips is wise. What does it say, James? Be swift to hear and slow to so to speak Proverbs 10 the mouth of the just brings forth wisdom maybe you should think about something wise you know God's Word says this or man this lovely thing I saw Luke do or whatever you can say anything when you open your mouth why not say stuff like that the mouth of the foolish brings forth wisdom but the forward mouth is not easily controlled it's stubborn willful and contrary the tongue shall be cut out The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaks forwardness. Proverbs 10.31 and 32. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Proverbs 11.9. A tailbearer reveals secrets. This is another thing. You might be a gossip if the things that you're going around telling people are things that you know you're not supposed to be telling them. It's a secret. Everybody doesn't know. Somebody's trusted you with these words, but but you really like telling it. Proverbs 11.9, A tailbearer reveals secrets, but he that is faithful in his spirit, he conceals a matter. Proverbs 11.13, A forward man sows strife, a whisperer separateth chief friends. Haven't you guys seen this? I've seen it among the little girls in our church. It's ugly. They separate friends. They go around. Do you know what? Do you know? Does she this and whatever? He that covereth the transgression seeks love, but he that repeateth a matter separates friends who are very, very close. It says right here in Proverbs 17.9. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 18.8. He that goeth about as a tailbearer reveals secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flatters with his lips. Proverbs 20.19 Discover not a secret to another. Proverbs 25.9 Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. The words of the tailbearer are as wounds. They go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Again, it says. But if you're tired of hearing about gossip... You know what the Bible says a godly woman does with her mouth? Proverbs 31. She opens her mouth with wisdom. In her tongue is the law of kindness. I can tell you right now. If you want people to think well of you, don't go and tell us how bad the other people are. Go and tell us something good about God. Go say something kind about somebody, say something encouraging. Say something you saw, you know, I was, you know, that that dress that Hannah made was so beautiful. You know, that piece that she played by Steve Green was just so inspiring. What was the name of that? Huh? He holds the keys. keys. Do you know you can say anything you want when you open your mouth? Why not say stuff like that? How many think that your life in this church and, and all of your life would be more beautiful if those were the things coming out of your mouth? I do. I do. The second part of what the godly does not do is stated in this way, okay? This, this was only one part of a three-part thing, this, this little section here. He does not do evil to his neighbor, because you see, talking bad about your neighbor, is that doing evil to him? That's right, it is. And it says, nor taketh the reproach. And you're going to find out, not only does he not whisper about his neighbor, but he doesn't do anything in word or deed that will ever hurt his neighbor. And thirdly, he will not even listen to people who talk bad about people he cares about and people within his group, his neighbor, his church, his people. The one who abides in the house of the Lord does not harm his neighbor in word or in deed. Albert Barnes' commentary of the whole Bible, he says it this way. I really, really like this, so I just wrote it all out. The idea is that of taking up This this the Hebrew concept of he will not take up a reproach, he will not receive something as true. Have you ever had someone come and say something to you about somebody? I think sometimes a good response might be our heart might be, you know what, I I don't I don't know if that's true. I don't know about that. I, I, I think I'm gonna need to talk to them about that. When your response is like you can't I mean, I've heard bad things about people that are horrible and true. I mean, the first time I heard about this guy down in South Carolina that was in a lot of horrible things, I'm like, this, I, this can't be true. I'm not going to believe this. I'm not going to believe this until I have to believe it. And sometimes you get to the point where you've got to do what? You've got to believe it. But the right thing is to just not want to hear it at all. Like, when we like to hear bad things about other people, there's something wrong with us. Okay. He says, He that is slow to believe but grasp it greedily as if he had pleasure in it. He does not himself originate such a reproach, nor does he readily and cheerfully credit it when it is stated by others. If he is constrained to believe it, it is only because the evidence becomes so strong that he cannot resist it and his believing in it is contrary to all the desires of his heart. It hurts him even to hear bad things about other people. Does it hurt you or do you like it? You might be a gossip if you enjoy it, if you like it. You may have embraced an ungodly way of living. Psalm fifteen four. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. The man of God is is in the woman of God those that abide are gonna be people who you're not finding that all of their friends are bad people and that they like those people and that's who they want to hang out that's who they want to be around they love good people they love good men when they get around people of God they just love it they're like man I'm in hog heaven I got all these good people around me and I love it it says it says he honoreth them that fear the Lord he sweareth to his own hurt and he changes not the righteous man Keeps vows, and even if the vows hurt him, he does. If you make, meet someone and they tell you they're going to do something, and they do it even if it hurts them, that's somebody to mark as someone who is living a good and godly life. They keep their word. This is so not done today. People just do whatever. And then they go, oh, well, you understand. I lived in a day and age, uh, even time, where people said, my word is my bond. And I mean, if they told you they were gonna do something, you could count on it like the sun coming up. When I was a re- reporter, I was interviewing this judge down in Tennessee, and, or in Kentucky, and he said, he said, I'll tell you what happened to me one time. He said, this guy was convicted. He said he was in a fight with another man, and he hit the man and he killed him. And this man you know, didn't really wanna be in the fight. It was a rough thing. Uh, And he was gonna he he didn't mean to kill him. He was getting sentenced for manslaughter this man this was even this was a long time. This was a really old judge and uh, This was before the day and age of cars and so forth, you know And they pulled him into this courtroom and it was hundreds of miles away from where he where he lived He had come to town to do his trading for his farm and he had gotten a fight and he hit this man and killed him and so he said, judge, he said, before I come and do my time in prison, he said, I need to put my crops in, because if I don't, my family's going to starve. And, he, and the judge said, okay. And he walks, I think it was 100, 150 miles. He goes, puts his crops in, and then he walks back and turns himself into the jail. Do we live in a day and age like that? No. This guy goes, people aren't like that. People don't mean what they say. A righteous man does what he says. It's an important thing, guys, to do what you're saying. In the end it said, "He changes not. He's constant, he's not wishy-washy. Verse five, which is the last verse of the psalm, which I'm not done though, so I'm going to keep rolling for a minute. He puts not out his money to usury. Usury is lending people money and charging them high interest rates. okay? This is, this is forbidden in the law of God. It is normally done to people who are in really bad situation, right? You guys ever seen the buy here, pay here people, right? You guys ever seen those check cashing stores? They are a plague upon poor people. In Myanmar, do you know what they do? They're so poor in Myanmar, Andy, that they cook with dishes. They cook with pots and pans, and they sell them after they're done cooking, and they work. And then after the end of the day, they buy them again to cook the next day. They're so poor. And these people have a whole business of selling them these pots for a day. And you might go, that's good. When they borrow money over there, they charge them 20% interest per day. And and aren't those great rates, Andy, Andy, our finance guy, 20% interest rate? What's that even equal out to in a year? These people are driven into poverty by the misery of other people. And these people will become rich by the misery of other people. This is disgusting. The Word of God prohibits you benefiting from someone's tragedy. If someone's house burns down and they're in a difficult way and they're in a whatever, that's not to go, hey, this is an opportunity to make some cash. That's not what the godly man does. He relieves the poor. He relieves that are in difficulty. He does not go, well, I got them over a barrel. I can charge them anything. I think I've been guilty of that on a few tree jobs. I read about it and I don't like it. What I see in me sometimes in these things and makes me want to repent. Now I'm going to read this for you from 2 Peter chapter 1 before I read this psalm again. Folks, righteousness is something to want. Once again, not so we can go to heaven. Not so we can be approved of God because it's beautiful. You know, when you can look a guy in the eye and shake his hand and tell the truth and he can trust you. I mean, you ever meet people and you go, you know what? If he says it, it's the gospel. You ever meet somebody like that? Not, not too many people these days, but you're like, if he says it, it's true. I remember my wife. I hadn't seen her. She was a, a, a girl when I saw her. I didn't see her for eight years. Someone said something about her and I asked her about it and I said, if she says it, it's gospel. She would never lie. Now, maybe she, maybe it's possible she would. But she had lived a life where she would never, ever would lie. And I knew it. And I was just, I'm like, if she says it, it's true. 2 Peter 1, I, I used to quote this a lot, and I didn't understand, and I hadn't quoted this in a long time, Jason. But if you if you guys, if you're in your family and you guys want to this week with your kids talk about righteous living, 2 Peter chapter 1. Woo. And I know we're memorizing a lot of stuff, but, but uh, Tim, I used to quote this all the time. I can quote, I quote it for Andrea last night. It's a whole bunch of verses and I, and I would love to teach on it for the next two hours. I, you, you, it would be so easy, but righteousness is something God's doing in our lives day by day, thing upon thing, thing upon thing. God wants us to live righteous and holy lives. He would love it if people said, you know about those Christians, you can do business with them because they always pay their bills. They always do what they say. They never destroy my stuff. You can rent to Christians because they never need to use their security deposit because they always take care of the property. Could you imagine if if Christians were known like that in the world? What's sad about Christians today, we have the Christian blue pages and I actually, they wanted me to work for them and sell ads and honestly, I looked at this and I'm like, Christian blue pages what it means to me is a bunch of people who pretend they're Christians who want to rip you off in the name of Jesus most people with a big fish that I've run into on their business are not particularly fishy <laughs> in the right way they're not particularly Christian it would be to God we had a revival of real righteousness amongst us where people were just like, like I mean we know the Amish build good furniture praise God for that right Imagine if they said, hey, Christian people are people who vote. They're people who take care of their yards. They're people who contribute to their community. They're people who clean up after themselves. They're t- people who tip well. Would be to God. Oh, they're, they're a church group. They're coming in. I want to wait on them. They always lead 20%. Second Peter chapter 1. I used to quote this all the time, but there's a list, okay? And it's just, it's the list, I know. But what it shows you is that there's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of righteousness and goodness and loveliness that we can have from the power of the Holy Spirit. Who wants that? I do. He says this He says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that we by these might be partakers of the divine nature. I mean, come on, guys. Who wants that? having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He said, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, right? We start off with faith, Paul. He says, add to your faith virtue. I love it that it's the first thing. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. It would be to God we had faith, in the first thing we didn't pursue is being smarty-pants Presbyterians. But we add to our faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity don't you love this list he said if these things be in you and abound they will make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off that he was purged from his own sins. He said, wherefore the rather brethren, do these things and it will make your calling and your election sure. And it says, and if you do these things, you shall never fail. People say, I don't know what to do with my life. Turn to 2 Peter 1. You've got to, Your whole life has just been planned for you. Start off with faith, and add to faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly, kindness, charity. I mean, wow. Man, if we could do that. I mean, what if we had a real righteous living way of life? Wow, I'm sorry. I got all carried away. All right. Who's going to abide, guys? People whose lives are about that. Let me read the psalm for you again. A Psalm of David, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walks uprightly, he that works righteousness, and he speaks truth in his heart. He backbites not with his tongue. He does not do evil to his neighbor. He doesn't even receive a reproach about his neighbor. In whose eyes the is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. And he sweareth to his own hurt, and he changes not. He puts not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things, it's just like 1 Peter, he that doeth these things, right? He that doeth these things never be moved. Do you see how the psalm ties together? Who's going to abide? And he says, The he that does these things shall not abide be moved just like our call to worship from the psalm he says heaven and earth and all that's going to be moved but God shall not be moved and we are in him and he is our refuge and we shall not be moved let us be people of righteousness amen amen, amen. let us pray heavenly father we thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness to us lord we thank you for your word oh wait may we love righteousness because we love you may we long to be people who are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, that our light would so shine among men that it would glorify You in heaven, O God. Lord, may we be those people. May we abide. May we be those who dwell in Your holy hill. May we be those who camp out and say, I'm going to focus on living a righteous life. I'm going to focus on loving others and encouraging others and protecting their names and looking out for them. Oh, God, may we be people of integrity and righteousness and godliness. And, Lord, may we revel in your goodness and and just wonder why it is that we've been invited to this feast, but come dressed for it, Lord. Oh, God, may you make us fit for heaven today. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.